very thankful this morning for the opportunity to be with you in this meeting. I've enjoyed what's gone before. I'm so thankful for the message that Brother Adam has brought to us this morning. Now here he is all wound up to talk about duty and I got to ride home with him this afternoon. <laughs> Maybe he'll get me straightened out somewhat uh, as we travel. Pray for us, please, if you would. Call your attention to a passage in the fourth chapter of Paul's letter to the Galatians. <clears throat> Paul begins this chapter by saying, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. I think Paul's specifically referring to his experience in the Jewish church. But now he comes to verse 4. But when the fullness of the time that, that word the, the, there is very important. There was a time appointed. And when that appointed time came, when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son. He sent him forth. <laughs> made of a woman, made under the law. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Now, if I understand that language, Paul is saying that we had been adopted, but Jesus came that we might get an experience and a knowledge of, an awareness of, and the full, full fullness of the benefit of that adoption. That we might receive the adoption of sons. Now, we know that Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 that God had predestinated us unto the adoption of sons by Jesus Christ unto himself. Now, I'm going to take the position that Matthew 121, where the angel told Joseph that Mary was going to bear a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people. His people here are those who God had predestinated to be adopted into the family of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Now let's let's understand that adoption is a legal process. It's not a vital process. It doesn't give life, but it's a legal process. 
there's a lot of joy attached to a to an adoption when it is completed and the full fruit of it is being carried out. Uh, Elder Matt Green and his wife, Sister Anna, adopted sometime back four children. And it took a little while to get all the legal work taken care of. A good little while to get all the legal work taken care of. But soon after the first three of those children, uh, the adoption was complete. They came to Arkansas for a visit. And uh, they were at a church that those children hadn't been to before. And they got there fairly early. And when they came in, they looked around and they didn't see anybody they really recognized. I can't remember those kids' names. I apologize. Now, their grandparents are sitting here, and, and they're going to hold us against them. I can't remember their names. <laughs> if y'all didn't have so many so fast. I <laughs> but uh, when you're getting a four at a time, you know it. The oldest little girl spotted me, uh, and here she came, because I was the only person there she recognized, I guess. And, she, she was beaming as she walked up to me. She said, Brother James, how are you? And I said, I'm fine, how are you? She said, I'm good, I'm a green now. <laughs> Man, she was excited about being a green. I tell you, we ought to be excited about being a child of God. It ought to be a matter of great joy and great excitement to us. That God has adopted us. That Jesus has adopted us. The Father gave us to him. The Father ordained that he adopt us. Which makes him legally responsible for our welfare. <clears throat> that you might receive the adoption of sons. Now one of the things that had to happen. And has to happen in any adoption is that the debt, any debt that child may have against them has to be resolved. So Jesus came to pay our debt in order that the adoption be clear and proper. Now what was our debt? We are sinners. And our sin was against God. And that debt had to be resolved. And the only way it could be done was by the blood of a holy man. There's only been one of those. The Lord Jesus Christ. Who is verily man and verily God. So he came <coughs> And he, and he poured out his blood on Calvary that we might be just in the sight of God. He redeemed us. That we might receive the adoption of some. Amen. <clears throat> but the next verse now is the one I want to spend a little time here. And because Ye are sons. God 
I want you to stop right there and think about this. There are causes that move God. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Because a righteous man prays fervently to God, God moves many times to do things he would not do had that prayer not been uttered. Now, if that's not true, I don't know what the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man really about. It, it results in God moving in that man's death. But here's a cause that is ascribed for God giving us life. Because you are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba Father. God made his sons by adoption. And then because we are sons, he sends the spirit of his son into our hearts. <clears throat> Vitally, we become sons of God in a sense when the spirit comes into our hearts. We become sons by birth. We become living Spiritually alive, sons of God. But we're legally sons of God before that happened. And the Spirit of God has never been sent into the heart of an individual who was not already a child of God. Now, I said never, and I mean never, all the way back to Adam. 2,000, 4,000 years before Christ died, there were men being born again by the entrance of the Spirit of God into their hearts because they were sons of God by adoption. By the purpose of God, by the will of God, by the promise of God, they were sons by adoption. So God sends forth the spirit of his son. Now, that's an interesting thought to me. It's not, it doesn't say he sends the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say he sends the Holy Ghost. It says he sends forth the spirit of his son. Well, what is the spirit of his son? Well, as far as I can figure out, it's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I just scared, I guess. You thought I was going to try to get out <laughs> No, that's it. It's, the it's that third person of the Trinity. But he's acknowledged here as being the spirit of of the Son of God. Amen. All right, let's follow a chain of authority for a minute if we could do that. Can we do that? 
In John chapter 17, as Jesus goes to prayer on that awful night before his crucifixion, he lifted his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour is come. This is the hour for which he was born of the Virgin Mary. This is the hour for which he's been keeping the law, Brother Adam, all these 30 plus years. This is the hour for which he went. I love that thought. I never thought of that. But when she went to the services of that meeting, that church that he knew was dead and about to be folded up. He did that because he was in anticipation of this hour. That he might be qualified to carry out the role that his father had given him from before the foundation of the world. You know, I've never learned in my life, I've never learned how to fill teeth. I, I don't have a lot of skills, but I, I just, I don't know the first thing about filling teeth. I, I, I've had a couple of fillings, but, but I couldn't see what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even ask questions, you know. <laughs> somebody's got his hands in my mouth. I don't know how to fill teeth. But I don't need to know how to fill teeth. I never thought I'd be a dentist. But there are things that I have prepared myself to be able to do at a, at a particular hour. I trained, I got training in several areas to qualify me to carry out a function that I anticipated would be mine. I studied with a great deal of interest school finance in the state of Arkansas. I wanted to know all that I could possibly know about the money aspect of running a school district because I anticipated having that responsibility. And I needed to know that before I took that office. I, I leave it to others to say how well I did with that, but I, I we didn't go broke, Brother McGee. <laughs> they had more money when I left than they did when I got there. But I, I anticipated that and I prepared myself for that role. Right. Jesus, by keeping the law of God to a jot and to a tittle, has prepared himself to redeem us. So God sent forth his son, made of a woman, yes, but a virgin woman. Amen. That's important. Made him under the law. He's obligated to the law of Moses. Amen. But he kept that law. He fulfilled that law. So he's qualified. Now, 
Father, the hour has come, that hour for which I've been preparing, that hour for which you sent me into this world. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may also glorify thee. Do you want to glorify God <laughs> with your life, with your mouth, with your songs of praise, with your devotion to Him? Do you want to glorify God? I tell you, if you do, I suggest you pray to God on a regular basis that God glorify you <laughs> so that you may glorify Him. I'm not telling you that you ought to pray that God make you glorious, but that God strengthen you and enable you and give you those skills that you need to do His will while you live in this world. Amen. One thing you need if you're going to glorify God is a better knowledge of the truth. We'll never know as much of God's truth as we need to know in order to glorify His name perfectly. The more I can learn about Jesus, the more I can learn about the uh, Father, the more that I can learn about the Holy Spirit, the more I can learn about the New Testament church, the better able I am to glorify our Father which is in heaven Amen. while I live here in this present world. So Jesus now is about to bring great glory to the name of his Father. That's his mission for the very next day. And he's praying to the Father to enable me to do that. Perfect. Now was he already able? I think he was. I think he was. But he felt the need of strength from his Father. Even though he knew that in the carrying out of this role, he's going to feel to be forsaken of the Father. Father's not going to let the light of his countenance shine upon him tomorrow for a while. He's going to feel to be forsaken. So he sent him. He sent him to redeem us who were under the law. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son. All right, he gives authority to the son. I didn't ever get that quoted, did I, in John 17? Let me back up. My old mind don't work like it used to. It never did work that well. Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son, that thy son may also glorify thee. Here's my authority. As thou hast given him authority over all flesh, Amen. that he, the Son, should give. God didn't give him useless authority. He gave him authority he intends him to use. I know a couple of you, Brother Kyle, are familiar with Barney Five and Andy Griffin. You know, Barney was always wanting a deputy. But only when he needed one, right? You don't just go through the county uh, every day of the week deputizing, folks. But when you're in trouble and you need help, you might be well advised to take on a deputy. God didn't give Jesus 
authority to do things he didn't intend him to do. Amen. He gave him authority to do exactly what he intends that he accomplished. As thou hast given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Let me, let, me, let me deal a little bit with what he didn't give you. Okay? Now he limits that authority. He gave to Jesus authority to give eternal life to as many as he had given Jesus. But if there's an unlike man out here, Jesus has no authority to give him eternal life. You understand that? Now that's not going to be a problem. <laughs> Jesus doesn't want to give him eternal life. He doesn't want to have him hanging around in heaven. Yeah. And, and that fellow doesn't want to. I mean, all parties are satisfied in that. But Jesus has no authority to give eternal life to anyone except this number, this great number of individuals that the Father has given to Jesus in a covenant of grace before the foundation of the world. But he has authority to give all of them, each of them, every one of them. And he has a responsibility to give to them eternal life. That he should now, if Jesus doesn't give eternal life to all that the Father has given him, there's something he should have done he didn't get done. Amen. You can have all that doctrine you want. <laughs> I tell you, my Jesus is a perfect work. He, he does what he intends to do, what he begins to do. He completes, he fulfills. He's not a shoddy worker. And if he should do it, my friend, you may as well call it done. God put this job in the hands of a fit man. Amen. <laughs> a dependable man. A steadfast man. Yeah, that's the Bible word. Faithful man. Okay, so the Son has authority. Well, we go to John chapter 5, verse 25. And we have this one. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is. Now it's 1130, okay? It now is 1130. 12 o'clock is coming. Unless the Lord comes back. <laughs> but this is going on at 11.30. It now is. And it'll be going on at 12. That's coming. Understand this is not a mark on the clock. Right. You can't set an alarm for this. Right. It's an ongoing, all the time proposition. Amen. The hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear 
the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Let's go to John chapter 6, verse 63. Jesus speaking. This will be in red letters. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. Quickeneth means give life. It is the Spirit that quickeneth the flesh that would be me you the flesh profiteth nothing anybody need to have nothing explained now I know Paul mentioned less than nothing but nothing's nothing no degrees of nothing. How much help is the voice of the preacher in giving eternal life to a child of God? Nothing. How much help is the will of the recipient of eternal life in receiving that eternal life? Nothing. No help. So far as getting eternal life is concerned, you and I are worthless. Before regeneration or after regeneration. If the only value I have in this world is in helping somebody be saved eternally, I have no value. God doesn't need any help. Amen. God doesn't want any help. You'll get in the, you, well, you really won't get in the way, but you'll be offensive if you try to help. You know, it's just, it's not proper. But it's the spirit that quickens. Now the son of God has the authority. But the Spirit of God quickened. I'm going to give you a, a verse that is controverted. Not everybody agrees with me. <clears throat> and you know, that's okay. They may be right, but I don't think so. <laughs> and <clears throat> Paul writes to the church of Corinth, and he says, No, you're not. That neither, and he gives a list of about nine kinds of sinners who cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Adulterers, fornicators, idolaters, coders. But then he gets personal. He says, and such were some of you. I don't think he's talking about some folks who used to be members of the church at Corinth and who have been excluded. I've heard that, I've heard that thought. I, I just reject it, okay? I don't think that's it. I think that means that some of you individuals 
who are members of the church at Corinth used to be involved in some of these things. Now, if that's too hard for you, let me point out that it's not just the big sins in that line, in that list. There's some stuff that's not uncommon among us. You know, covetousness, that, you all ever encounter any of that? You ever feel any of it? I have. Kind of like a brother there in our home church, good deacon brother. Several years ago, he inherited a little money and he told his wife, he said, we've been driving that little worn out tractor for 20 years. I'm going to the John Deere dealer. Well, he went shopping and she, she said, now Billy, she said, you know, if we go down there and buy that brand new tractor, our neighbors are going to be jealous. He said, by the way, it's their turn. <laughs> He'd been coveting their tractor, you see. Well, I, I, I struggle with that. I have to admit that. I struggle with it. All right? Paul said, such were some of you, but ye are sanctified. <coughs> Ye are washed in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. The Spirit acted upon the authority of the Son. Okay? Now, when I performed a marriage ceremony in the state of Arkansas, as I come to the close of that ceremony, and I'm about to pronounce the young or old couple, the husband and wife, I say, by the authority vested in me by the state of Arkansas, because I've got that authority from the state, I'm getting from the church. When I baptize somebody, I say by the authority given me by the church. But when I marry somebody, it's by the state of Arkansas. I cite my authority. And I have a legally recorded document in the courthouse in Paris, Arkansas, that certifies I, am, I can legally perform a marriage ceremony anywhere in the state of Arkansas. And when I sign my name to that marriage license, I put on the marriage license, this is Arkansas, probably most places, I put on that marriage license where my certificate of authority is recorded. Book me, page 245, Logan County, Arkansas. That's, that's where mine is. I used to carry that in my wallet, but I finally I, I need to get it back in there. It's forgetful as I'm getting. But see, I cite my authority. It is the Spirit that quickeneth, but He quickens by the authority the Father gave the Son. If you just followed me, I got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit all working together to bring us out of a state of death and trespasses and sins 
into a state of life in Christ. A team of three in one with no subs allowed. No preachers involved. No praying mothers or fathers involved. No begging on the part of the sinner involved. It is a sovereign act of a sovereign God. Three and one. All right. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. When he comes in, he gives you life. He takes away that hardened stony heart. He gives you a heart of flesh. But I want you to notice he comes into your hearts. The gospel may prick your heart. The life-given word of God comes into it. Comes into it. I'm just a country boy. I have to illustrate things the best way I can. I have at home a a remote delivery device projector. That's what it says on the box. Now, if you want to know what it looks like, it's a dark gun. But they don't want to have to have a firearm license, so it's a remote. It's a it's a remote delivery device projector. And I have in, a, in an old refrigerator in my shop uh, several boxes of remote delivery devices of different kinds. And when I need the doctor a sick cat for a sick cat, we load a dart. I mean a remote delivery device. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we put it in that projector and we pump it up like the old air guns. We go up to pastor, we cock it, we take the safety off, and if we aim correctly, <laughs> we put medicine into the sick animal. A couple years ago, I missed the cow and hit a stump. And my grandson predicted immediately that that stump's not gonna get any better. <laughs> and it hasn't. Not uncommon for cows to get better. We, we're fairly successful with that. All right? But we got to get our aim right. Now, once in a while, for unexplainable reasons, that dart will hit that animal and just bounce off. And it's frustrating because when you see that happen, a lot of times you see that medicine squirting out in the air as it's going to the ground. Gospel is more like a weak dark gun. Preacher, preacher aims, he pulls the trigger, and some people in the crowd say, ah, and some people in the crowd say, so what? <laughs> some people are stirred in their hearts, and some are not. But I tell you when the grace of God that bringeth salvation appears unto us, it comes into our heart. Amen. 
God has never had it bounce off. God has never misfired into a stump. He's never shot his saving grace into a pond and lost it. No, sir, my friend. When God, by the power of the Spirit, comes to our hearts, it goes into our hearts, and we are born again, and he teaches us there things that we'll know as long as we live in this world. That grace of God that bringeth salvation comes to us, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. Do you know that today? Do you know that there are sins going on in this world, in this town, this community? There are things happening outside this wall that you ought not be involved in. Amen. Do you know that? Well, if you know that, please don't give your daddy and mama credit for you knowing that you ought to. You can give daddy and mama credit for telling you which ones they are and helping you to understand the nature of the things you ought to avoid. But it was God, my friend, by the work of the Holy Spirit, which he sent into your heart, who taught you that you should avoid those things and live soberly and godly and righteously in this present world. I thank you for your good